Hey, so I'm not sure if you heard, but we are bringing back the private practice bootcamp experience. So listen, this will not be an ordinary bootcamp. Yes, that's right. We are glowing up your experience and your private practice. So what does this mean? Are you truly ready to glow up your private practice and your life? So I'm talking about crafting a big vision. Stop playing small. Who does that? Okay. We are dreaming big beyond just clarifying your niche. We are actually going to build up your confidence in your business as an abundant CEO. Now, listen, I've had the opportunity to host over 25 boot camps in the last five to six years. And I know that I am really good at teaching and delivering that information. But one thing that I have noticed that is missing with therapists right now is that they need a hype woman. They need someone to encourage them to show up and to glow up boldly and unapologetically. So here are the details. We start on May 20th. We are going strong for four days with also a bonus money session. We also have added our Facebook group with challenges and activities. Listen, y'all, we working. So in order to sign up to participate in all pieces, I want you to head down to the show notes and get on the bootcamp experience list so that you can get started with us. Now, also our private practice signature program DTA will also be opening soon. So make sure that you check the show notes and get on that notification list as well so that you can be the first to know about all the juicy bonuses that we have coming down the pipeline. It is glow up season. I will see you in the bootcamp. Hey, great day. So in this special podcast series, I will be introducing to you abundant streams of income that mental health providers can utilize in their business. And so we just wrapped up a live four-day bootcamp over on YouTube, but I do know that there's a large portion of our podcast listeners that would prefer to get the information in bite-sized pieces versus 60 to 90-minute workshops where they can take their time and implement the information. So make sure to Stay tuned to this episode. Hey, my name is Dr. TK. And on this podcast show, we will uncover abundant tools to help you become the CEO of your business and life. I am a mom and wife who took the knowledge as a clinical psychologist working for a government agency and being a professor for over 18 years into building a multi six-figure mental health business and seven-figure digital product business and doing what I love. Now, I believe that you can make a wildly abundant living and become unapologetic while also dreaming big, enjoying life, and making a huge impact in your community. This is the Therapist Deserve Abundance Podcast. So this is the one stream of income in our field, as therapists at least, that require 100% of commitment from you from the start. So with everything that I've talked about thus far, you can try it once. If you ain't aligned with it, boom, you can let it go. It's a coaching program. It's a course. It's a book. You can sell it and say, I don't want to do it no more. Or just put it on Amazon and let it sell and get a royalty check, a check, right? Group practice, though, requires you. Okay. So the question that comes up a lot is, I want to group practice because I want to make more money, which means that you're really focusing on it being a passive income product, but it's not. It is very much active to a degree that then at some point, when you have certain things and systems and people in place, parts of it can be passive, okay? But it is not passive, it is active. So let's bust some myths. Some people may say, I am hiring other therapists to see clients and I just wanna make money on the back end. That's a myth. Fact, you will need, you, 
will need to hire, fire, onboard, train all mental health professionals, whether they're pre-licensed or licensed, to work in your business. It's your business. Myth. I can make more money if I just hire another therapist real quick. Huh. Fact. Real quick hires are not a profitable way to build a thriving business. Remember, the clients of your business, your group practice, expect to be taken care of behind closed doors or on a telehealth platform with whom you've handed them off to, even if you didn't do the consultation. This is under your business. So we don't want to just really quickly hire our friend that's a therapist. We don't really quickly want to hire just a therapist because we got a wait list. No. Myth. I have a wait list. It is the right time to hire for my group practice. Fact. A group practice is a whole ass organization. Yes, I cursed. Okay. It is a clinic. Outpatient or inpatient if you do hyperintensives. It is not a solo practice. The systems are not the same as a solo practice. It is no longer just about you. Put a two in the comment box if this is resonating already. Like, damn, it doesn't matter if you don't have a group practice. It doesn't matter if you already have one and you're using this as a way to see what other things do you need to evaluate in your group practice, specifically your mindset. I kid you not, majority of our students in our mastermind that have had a group practice, um, especially those who already came in with one, most of our coaching was really about their mindset as a business owner. It had nothing to do with systems, even though we did that in the background, right? So group practice is very much so active. You want to ask yourself before you either expand again or you hire your first clinician and say, I'm a group practice owner now. I want you to do the following. This is your evaluation. How is the performance of your current practice? And if you don't have a solo practice, I would actually be gravely concerned because now you putting on a line other people's livelihood. Okay. So how is the performance and back office of your current business? I don't care if you got an online store with t-shirts. Do you monitor the t-shirt sales? Do you market? Who do you need to hire? Have you done an evaluation? Maybe you serve adults. I always give this example. You got to see beyond you. I serve teenagers in my group practice. But at some point, I needed somebody to serve more teenagers and their parents and families and do groups. So I'm not going to be closed off to a clinician whose expertise is of an area that I don't want to serve. Now, will I say you need to be familiar with that expertise? Yes, because you're either supervising them or overseeing them through consultation. But it doesn't mean that you have to see those clients. Expansion is great. So who do you need to hire? What support do you have to currently to onboard and take care of other clinicians, licensed or unlicensed? Don't just think that you can onboard them and say, y'all know how to do notes. We did that in our interview. They don't know how to do your notes. You may want your notes to look a certain way. What standard operating procedures, SOPs, do you currently have in place to hand off? You have to have something to hand off. So that whole mentality, like, well, I got it in my head and I'll create it after I hire somebody. Why would you want to hire somebody to go into a chaotic job? That's why some of y'all left y'all job is because it wasn't organized or they were too micromanaging you, like over you. And you and you don't have that. you like, damn, y'all ain't got no systems to just send me a reminder. You got to come to my office and remind me like this is trash. I've worked in places like that. So the reason why I'm really big on systems and why all of my programs are based on teaching you operating systems. I try to make it as fun as possible. 
by teaching you the driest part of business because the driest part is what's going to get you money to get the clients to bring in money, okay? So what is your onboarding process to hire clinicians, to get therapists, to get clients? You got to look at both sides now, not just getting clients. It looks different. What is your framework? How do you walk your clients through therapy from the presenting problem to the transformation to them graduating? If you don't have it written down, how do you expect the clinicians that you hire to graduate people out of therapy? You want them to keep them in therapy for the rest of their life? Do you have coaching ability to teach them how to create a framework? So that's the upper hand of students who do the academy, even if they choose to go into the mastermind, because I can tell the difference between those who don't do the mastermind, but they have a profitable business and those who do, because they understand like the back of their hand, that framework for their clients. And all they now need to do is go coach their team. Teach their team, then coach their team how to create their own. And I'm not going to teach you how to do that here because that is the intellectual property of that program. What is your niche? If you don't know how to declare your niche, how are you going to help somebody else do theirs so that you can market their niche? Don't bring somebody into group practice to then tell them they got to run their own practice. That's not the benefit of joining a group practice. Do you have a wait list? Who are the clients on that wait list? Please write that down. You should be looking at What do these clients have in common? Because maybe that's telling you the next person to hire. And you may make the mistake of hiring somebody who serves the people just like you when you realize that for whatever reason, this other group of people just keep being magnetized to you. Don't lose sight of that data. Do you want somebody to serve them? Because they clearly want you, right? Can that other therapist serve those clients? Do you want to oversee other niches or expertise? If the answer is no, don't hire other therapists who do something different than you. You don't have to do that. I'm just giving you ways to expand more. Do you want to hire licensed, pre-licensed, or both? Both of them have pros and cons. Some people may say, I only want licensed people because it's not a headache. I don't have to oversee them. Hmm. I will just hire a licensed therapist because I don't have to worry about them as much or at all. Now, here's a fact. And put a one in the comment box if you like, damn, you slapped me with at least one of the bullets. All right. So if you have ever thought or said, I only want to do license, I don't want to deal with that supervision, blah, blah, blah. You have to oversee their paperwork and their charting. It's your business. You have to oversee their billing and make sure they did it because it's your business that's getting paid. You have to understand client satisfaction because they seeing people and you're not evaluating it. You can't see the session. How do you know what they're really doing? You need to hear about something. You have to understand their skill set to grow because again, you want people who are going to thrive in your business structure. You want to make sure that their caseload is diverse, which means you need to talk to them. You also need to create a group culture. You shouldn't be having no toxic ass people working in your group. I like to say I like high vibe people. Does that say you can't never have a bad day? Absolutely not. But what I am saying, if you woke up on a crappy side of the bed, do you need to have a mental health today? Don't bring that energy into the therapy session with other clients. Now, if you need a whole lot of mental health days, we actually need to talk. License or not, you are still an employee or a team member in this business structure. Bottom line is, even as being licensed, there still is a level of supervision. There still is something called consultation. At minimum, you should be meeting with your team when they first start, probably every week for at least a month or two. And then you can stretch it out to every other week. If they're really good and they're on point and you've built the culture of the team, maybe it can then move to once a month or bi-monthly, depending on what you're doing in your business and how many new clients are flowing in. 
and a whole other laundry list of more that we cover in the mastermind. But this is just a snippet. And only because this is what's been said from our students as to why they don't want to hire pre-licensed. Okay. So can it become passive? Yes. But only after you do some of these things and then it's others that, of course, we talk about with our clients. So you want to make sure before you take hands off and or hire an office manager, for example, to go and oversee all this stuff or another supervisor, you want to build out the whole system yourself so that you understand what works. And the reason why I always encourage people to understand their business is that you can hire somebody and then they leave. You can hire somebody and they go on maternity leave. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't know how to do all this. And for certain roles, like a Facebook ads, um, certain things with email marketing and funnels, I get that. Those are more technical. But the logistics of the core of a mental health business that you went to school for, no, you need to know all the moving pieces, at least a general understanding of it. You may not be the one to update all of the pieces, but you at least need to have an understanding of what they do, okay, and where they are. Also, it's gonna become passive once you hire help to build and expand the system to then onboard clinicians, onboard new team members and things like that. Um, Once you make the system work for anyone, not just you, who gets hired, then we own to something. You hire enough people, it don't have to be a lot, to generate more cash flow. So hiring three therapists, unless you're cash pay and you're charging like $300, you're not gonna see a big overhead because remember when you hire these people, your overhead expenses are going to increase. Your EHR is going to increase. Your gusto or whatever you use for payroll is going to increase. Your QuickBooks or bookkeeper amount may increase because bookkeepers may charge you based off of how many transactions you have per month, right? So don't think that you're gonna base your growth and expansion based off where you are as a solo private practice seeing 15 clients. That is not the right budget. You also wanna put aside a pot of money, ideally before you start a group, because there's gonna be an onboarding period where especially if you take insurance, but even if you don't, you're going to have to onboard these people. Where the hell is the money going to come from? Think about that. So also, once you hire a clinician, really start looking at promoting within. I'm a really big advocate for promoting within. I'd rather promote somebody who is, we actually did this, and she actually in our mastermind this year, but she was in my group practice as a student. So once she got in my practice, already was kind of like low-key testing the waters and asking her, like, do you want to see this population to see if she was willing to expand? Then I was like, are you going to get, she got licensed. So I was like, are you planning on becoming a supervisor? She was like, I was interested. I said, listen, we have seven interns. I could, but I don't want to supervise all of them. So do you have the capacity to supervise at least three of them? You, We do a group together. Like I'll do the group training, the didactic training, but can you do their um, smaller group supervision and they were postdocs for a doctoral program? And can you do their individual supervision about their report writing? So we talked about it. And what we end up doing is scaling down her caseload. I want y'all to hear this. Instead of her seeing, let's just say 20 clients, I said, I want you to see a threshold of 12. We're going to fill in those other hours with you supervising. And then on her paycheck, she had two columns, technically three. She had a column for, this is how much you get paid as an employee, as a therapist. This is how much you get paid to do supervision, like conduct it. And then I believe that no work should be left unpaid, right? So I also paid her a certain amount. It wasn't like at a therapist amount. It was at an administrative rate, like $20 or whatever. But when she was doing certain types of paperwork, I didn't want that work to be 
not paid. Put it to in the comment box if this is making sense. Like, damn. So am I saying that group practice cannot ever become passive? I'm not saying that. But you do need to build out really the back office, your systems, and your hiring. Okay? So promote within. They can oversee other things and you don't have to. Now you can take a break. But I didn't say that you can become the Wizard of Oz, a.k.a. the person who never shows their face. And then no one even knows who grows the group practice. So here are some mindset shifts related to group practice. Okay. Rule of thumb. If I gave you another therapist today, like you said, this is a therapist that I'm looking for. And I'm like, poof, out of a genie bottle. Here, he or she is. Can they start tomorrow where you have the onboarding them to see the client's onboarding system as well by next Monday? Yes or no? Put that, put that in the comment box. Yes or no? If I gave you your ideal therapist avatar and you want a group practice, do you have your systems in place to help them start on Monday? Meaning they can onboard, they can go through trainings, fingerprinting, whatever you're going to do. All that's in place. You got your employee handbook. If they employees in your state, if they contractors, you got a contract already in your system. You've consulted with an employment attorney. You got your CPA on deck. You already got the payment plan. Like you already paying yourself. You got your um, payment system. You also have systems to train them to watch videos or whatever. So you ain't got to do it for them to onboard clients. I'm just shooting the breeze right now with y'all, but I'm just letting you know, group practice is not a joke. (laughs) Okay. So please stop. Hiring very good therapists to work in your messed up system, please. And I'm telling you this because unknowingly, luckily I hire people who I was very transparent though. I said, listen, I ain't never did this before and I'm going to make mistakes. Y'all going to make mistakes. As long as we can talk about them cordially, I'm good. I had the same people for like two to three years in my group practice. Okay. So, but I made sure that once I start recognizing that mistakes were being made, I pumped the brakes. And there were times where I was like, I ain't hiring for like a year. And it's cool, okay? Please note, they, the people that you hire and you probably left your job or you wanna leave your job for the same reason of the system and how you have it set up right now. It, it ain't no system. And I'm so some of y'all, I'm talking about you to your private practice, not our DTA students, of course, you in the progress or you an alumni, <laughs> right? But evaluate your private practice. And if you don't know how to evaluate it, you need to come to whatever I'm having in the summer, <laughs> okay? Um, don't do unto others what you don't want to be done to you. If you don't want to be micromanaged, set up a system to help the system deliver the information in which you don't have to be emailing and texting people all day. Okay. If you want to have a powerful team that you celebrate birthdays or go out to eat and things like that, it could be simple things. Then start doing that even for yourself right now. Pat yourself on the back when you make progress because you should be telling people how grateful or what a good job or keep asking questions, you know, tell people what you like. Listen, I am over here dancing. You just finished another epic episode of the Intentionally Abundant Podcast. Now I know that flew by way too fast. So if you want more resources, head over to drtk.com forward slash link for additional abundant resources. Now until the next episode, live intentionally abundant.